We've been in a long series, Why Am I Here? Um, and uh, if you've missed out on any parts of this series, we invite you to get copies or um, get online and the, the podcast and all that should be on there for you. Uh, to start this morning's message, though, I want to I show you something that might take some of you back. So, um, you ready back there? Ready? All right. Let's see if this works. How many of you remember that commercial years ago? Remember that commercial? <laughs> yeah. um, back in the day when Michael Jordan played, everybody wanted to be like Mike. If you played basketball or anything like that, you tried to mimic his moves and his mannerisms and everything. Um, even players today still imitate Michael Jordan. Uh, Kobe Bryant, whenever he came into the league, uh, just his mannerisms and his moves and the way that he played the game, you could tell that he had been watching Michael Jordan his whole life. Um, I think his number is 24. Is it number 24 today? I'm looking at Jay. He's our basketball buff today. Uh, even the great LeBron James, you know what number he wears today. He's number 23. And I'm sure that his life has greatly been impacted by Michael Jordan. Whenever I was a kid, there were several people that I wanted to be growing up. The first person that I wanted to be growing up, tell me if you recognize this guy. Remember him? Evil Knievel. I wanted to be Evil Knievel. Uh, back in 1976, I had one of those red, white, and blue huffy bikes. Remember with the, with the seats that were white, were about that thick? <laughs> and uh, there were a couple of times I would try moves like uh, Evil Knievel. And there were a couple times I crashed, just like Evil Knievel as well. There is another guy, you've heard me say this before, I think, at different times, but I also wanted to be just like Bob Barker. I love Bob Barker. Uh, Price is right. Come on down. I watched that as a kid in the summertime, and I was just fascinated by Bob Barker. And then there was another guy, Brian, you'll identify with this. I wanted to be like Willie Stargell of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, he was my hero, and just the way he held the bat, and I would stand out in our backyard and take a bunch of rocks, I'd take a, a bucket of rocks and an old stick, and I would just throw them up and hit the rocks into the woods, and a lot of times I'd just do that, that, that swing like, like Willie does, you know, and I wanted to be like Willie Stargell. As kids, we often say things, if I could just be like so-and-so, my life would be great. If I could just do this, if I could just do that. What about you today? Who do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Some of you may not have grown up yet. I don't know. That's okay. 
this speaks, and this made me, as I was preparing the message this week, some of these figures came to my mind. I thought, well, we'll start with this. But all of this speaks really as to why we are here. The last two weeks, we've been talking about purpose in life. Why are you here? What is your purpose for being here? What is your purpose for even being born? We talked about we are here to bring joy and pleasure to God. And then last week we talked about we are here to be a part of the family of God. You're here to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, you are immediately a part of the family of God. This morning we're going to talk about the third purpose why we're here. And this is starting to get near the end uh, as far as this series. But this morning I want to talk to you that we are here. You are here to be fulfilled. You are here to become like God. Christ. Not Michael Jordan, not Willie Stargell, not Bob Barker. You are here to become like Christ. Genesis 1.26 tells us, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Right from the beginning, church, we can see that you and I were made in the image of God. We were made to resemble the image of God. Now, here's a quick warning. Notice I did not say, or God did not say, let us make man to be God like us, with us. No, he did not say that. That is a trick that he played on Adam and Eve in the garden. God never made us in order for us to be God, but in order to be like him. So my question to you this morning is, what does the image of God look like? And I do this every Sunday. I always forget water. And uh, Stephanie's in the back and none of my family's here. Can I get, thank you, Bandy. All right. Um, what does the image of God look like? Who can we look to? Who can we see God? Um, by whose life can we look at and see that they look like God? Jesus, Right? Jesus himself. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that Jesus is the image of God. You want to know what God looks like? You want to pattern your life after God? Look at Jesus. It also tells us in Hebrews that Jesus is the express image of God. In Colossians 1.15 tells us that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So becoming like Christ sounds impossible, doesn't it? Again, I'm not saying that we can be equal with God and with Christ. But is that even possible to to become like Christ? I mean, there's a lot of things that I may try to be in this world, but man, Pastor Brock, that's an awful high, lofty goal. What do you mean to be like Christ? Well, I don't say that. The Word of God tells us that. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 
Romans 8.29 tells us, For God knew his people in advance, that's you and me, those of us who have accepted Christ. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So this morning we realized that, wow, God just told us through his word that we are to be like Jesus. We are to be like God. Thank you much. All right. Have you thought about your life and trying to be like Jesus? What are some ways this morning, how can we be transformed into the image of Christ? This really could be an endless list, but we'll try and condense it just for the message this morning. How can we be transformed into the image of Christ? This first one, I've talked about it many, many times. You've heard about it in your Sunday school classes. Teachers, you've talked about it in your Sunday school classes. But it is the foundation of who we are in Christ. We need to be transformed by God's Word. You want to be like Christ? You want to pattern your life after the image of God? You need to be transformed by God's Word. There is no other book like the Bible. There is no other word like God's Word. Although man will oftentimes try to elevate their works. I heard a number of years ago how there was a man trying to um, demonstrate some kind of... uh, uh, opposition towards Islam, and he took the Koran and he burned the Koran. You can imagine what that did to the Muslim world. It just in, uh, irritated and outraged the Muslim world. And one of the Muslims was interviewed on TV as to what they thought about this, and this is what they think. This man said, The Koran is the Word of God, it is sacred and it is holy. Burning the Quran is an egregious act, and it is a much greater sin than burning the Bible. That's what a Muslim believes about the Quran. Some of you know that I like history, and I sometimes watch the show on TV, Antiques Roadshow, where they take uh, items of, of history in the past and they value them. And someone had a first edition copy of the Book of Mormon. For the Mormons, a first edition copy, and it was valued at $125,000. Can you imagine? A first edition copy of the Book of Mormon valued at $125,000. Listen, high values may be put on man-made books, but there's only one book, the Bible, whose author sits on the throne of heaven. All other books and all other works of antiquity, they may greatly impact the thoughts and the intentions of a man. Now hear me on this. All other books and works of antiquity may greatly impact the thoughts and intentions of man, but there's only one book, only one book, only the God, God's holy word can change the soul of a man. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Books and works and movies and things like that may change one's intentions and may change someone's actions, but they do nothing for the heart. Only the Word of God changes the very soul of a man. Praise the Lord. We need to be transformed by that truth. Are you transformed by that truth? 
Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's Word is alive and it is powerful. Look, I've been around men and women who uh, are not living the way they need to live or they're living in sin. They've not yet come to know Christ. And when they just hear the words of God, it is powerful. It will cut them to the quick and they will melt before the power of the Lord. I don't have that power. God's Word has that power. It is alive. It can change the soul of men. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he defeated Satan by doing what? Referring to the Word of God. Quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, he said, after he was tempted by the evil one, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I ask you this morning, are you... And am I being transformed by the Word of God? How does one become transformed by God's Word? Let's just hit this real quick. First thing that we have to do is you have to receive it. You have to receive the Word of God. Listen and accept God's Word with an open attitude and heart. That's where it has to start. Number two, read it. You have to read it. Duh. <laughs> you have to read it. Um, the other day, Stephanie and I were in the store, and, and this, is not, this is not a knock against the electronic Bibles on our phones and our iPads and all that, and I think that's great, and I have it on my phone. Sometimes it comes in handy. But I'll, I'll just tell you, I'm still part of a little bit of that old school to where there's just something about holding the Word of God. Amen? I think some of you agree with that. And again, I've used the electronic version, and that's fine, that's wonderful. But, but Stephanie and I were in the store the other day, and it, it's still amazing. You know, they're still selling books. They're still selling things with covers and pages. And why is that? Because there's just something about holding a book. Someone We like to do that. I never want to get away to where, if I want to find a scripture to where I stop hearing the pages being turned. There's just something, you've got to read it, folks. You've got to hold it. You've got to taste it. You've got to feel it. You've got to read it. Listen, for much of the history of the church, for uh, about for much of the 2,000-year history of the church, you and I, the common men, just low peasants, uh, uh, we were not allowed to hear or read the Word of God, let alone hold it. Only the priests were allowed to do that. But what's our lifestyle like today? We are so occupied and preoccupied with our TVs and with our shows and with our gadgets and phones and iPads, and we're so preoccupied. Internet and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and <laughs> that we're not reading the Word of God. Now, I once heard it said that the church today... It's extremely wide, but it's about an inch deep. What do I mean by that? Many people will claim to have accepted Christ as their Savior, but to dig and to know and to grow and to mature in the Lord and to be deep in the Word of God, the church is about an inch thick. And that's so true. We've got to read the Word of God. Number three, we've got to research and study it. 
There's a treasure code of riches if we'll only look for it. I may have said this before, but the gold dust of God's word is easily found by the casual reader. The gold dust of God's word is, cash, is easily found by the casual reader. But if you want the good stuff, if you want the real nuggets of God's word, you're going to have to dig for it. I have to dig for it. Four. Remember it. Remember it. Oh, some of you are thinking, oh, I knew he was going to get to this. Talking about memorizing the Bible. I just can't do it. My mind doesn't work anymore. I think we would be surprised if we realized all of the things that we really did remember in this life. Right? We know our social security number. We know our address. We know our phone number. We, there's so many things in this life that we just automatically remember. We know exactly the channel or say amen or ouch to our favorite TV program, and we know exactly what buttons to hit with that, right? But in order to grow in the Lord, to become like Christ, we have to remember His Word. Begin to memorize it. Begin to memorize it. Number five, Reflect on His Word. Think about what you read. Allow it to percolate in your soul. Allow God to speak to you. But His delight, Psalm 1-2 says, But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. Look, that's, that's something I have not done my entire life. That's something that God has revealed to me in the last several years, is to really meditate on His Word. A part of our devotional time every day with the, with the Lord is to get into His Word and then specifically just give yourself time to just let it absorb into your mind and your heart. What is that verse, what is that passage trying to say to you? And then lastly, on this point, live it. Live it. Live the Word. Every single one of you who have been saved have lived out and you have experienced the living Word of God. You've accepted Christ. You're experiencing it. You're living it. You've experienced the difference that this book makes. Now just continue in that. Allow God to open it up to you. See, when you do this, when you absorb, when we devour the Word of God, um, you're going to be transformed by the Word of God. How else can we be transformed? We can be transformed by trouble, can't we? You know, God uses more than just His Word to transform us into the image of Christ. He can teach us how to be like Him because our problems will either make us move closer to God or further away. But the direction that you turn is up to you. It's up to you. For those who choose to rely upon God at all times, you'll realize that the more you're in tune with God, He has your complete attention. The more that He has your attention, the more that you'll do whatever it takes. And when you live this kind of a life, your prayers become authentic. Your prayers become real. And it's during times of trouble that you are most dependent upon God, which makes you the most moldable, right? Makes us the most moldable whenever we're experiencing trouble. If you turn to God, you become moldable. To be molded into the image of Christ. 
Someone once said that accidents are just incidences in God's good plan for you. Accidents are just incidents in God's good plan for you. Because every day, now this kind of blows your mind, because every day of your life was written on God's calendar before you were born. Everything that happens to you has spiritual significance. You read that again. Because every day of your life was written on God's calendar before you were born. That's hard to believe. Really? Wow. And everything that happens to you has spiritual significance. We know that Romans 8.28 tells us, For all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and for those who are called according to His good purpose. But you must be willing, church, you must be willing to allow God to help you, to speak to you, to mold you, to change you during the trial. Say amen or ouch there. I said during the trial. We want God to deliver us before, or we just want to get on the other side of this trial. But as we go through a trial, as God wants us to, as we will obey Him, What is happening is as we go through the trial, God is changing us and He's molding us to be just like Jesus. Psalm 66, 10 and 12, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. We went through the fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Also told in Isaiah 48.10, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. Are you going through a hardship? Either you're fighting it on your own, or you're trusting Him, And you're falling in line with what Jesus wants of you. And each time you WWJD, each time you do what Jesus would do, you're becoming like Him. Yeah. Thirdly, transformed by God's Word, we're transformed by trouble, and we're transformed by temptation. Oh, yuck. Yuck. Every time, listen, every time that you are tempted and you choose to rely upon God and His Word and the Holy Spirit and His power, you become more like Jesus. Just consider the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, There isn't one of us here this morning who would say we don't want the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We all want to have those things. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things when we display them, we will become like God. But do you realize, hang on, do you realize that in order for you and I to display the fruits of the Spirit, God will put you in exactly the opposite situation? in order to produce and grow those fruits. What do I mean by that? You want to be a person of love? He's going to put you with someone who's unlovable. You want to have joy? You want to have peace? God will put you in the midst of chaos. You want to have patience? Oh, my word. Lord, help us. 
If you've ever prayed for patience, you'll probably never pray that prayer again, won't you? You want to display kindness? Today may very well be the day that that waiter or waitress gets your order wrong. Or they spill something on you. Or something happens to where you don't want to be kind. Goodness and gentleness. Someone at church says something to you in a way that's harsh and you don't want to be gentle. Faithfulness. There's something in you that you no longer want to be faithful to this or faithful to that. That's the very time that God is trying to produce that fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness in you. Self-control. Whenever those of us who have kids and our children respond to us in a less respectful manner, we need self-control, right? Yes. That car that cuts you off, we need self-control. Amen or out, just right, right there. See what I mean? It's not fun. See, we, we don't naturally come into this world with these things already on us. We don't come naturally programmed just to be naturally people of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It doesn't come natural. I, I do believe, I do believe that some people's personalities can display some of that. But even in those times, that can be temptations. There can be temptations in our life. Let, let me transition here in my message. Let me ask you a question. I said our third purpose is to become like Christ. And my question is, do you really want to become like Jesus? Do you really, do you really, do I really want to be like Jesus? Because becoming like Jesus, if you haven't already recognized it, is not easy, is it? It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. I've said it before, but receiving Jesus is a free gift of God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, faith that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not by your works, lest any man should boast. Receiving Christ is a free gift, but becoming like Jesus is a lifelong endeavor, and it will cost you everything that you have. I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that. Did you hear that? Receiving Christ is a free gift, but being like Christ, becoming like Christ. And did you hear I said becoming it's not a one-time thing. We spend the rest of our life becoming like Christ. Nick Saban, Alabama football coach, won a huge game yesterday against LSU. He once said this about his players, the will must be greater than the skill. The will must be greater than the skill. This is especially true with our relationship with God. God is not looking for people with great skills. Now, I do believe that um, if you can't sing a lick or you can't play anything, your gift is probably not going to be in the worship ministry, okay? I get that, all right? But he's not so much looking for great skills, but he's looking for those who will display great wills. If our will is there, he will take our skills and turn them into something beautiful, something good. 
He will turn them into something useful for Him. You see, this work of becoming like Jesus, becoming like Christ, now hear me on this, this is really the crux of what I'm trying to say. This work of becoming like Jesus will be of utmost fulfillment, but it is not something that you can do yourself. Can't do it. It can only be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. Only can be done by the work of the Holy Spirit. It is His job to transform you into the likeness and the image of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.18b As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Boy, that's a great verse. That is an awesome verse. That tells you that you can't do it. You can't do enough good works. You can't try and do enough self-help books. You can't go to enough classes. You can't improve yourself enough to be like Christ. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It's like this. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will move in. And he begins taking stock of what your house looks like. Got that? We say yes to Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit moves in. The Holy Spirit begins taking stock of what our house looks like. He begins going from room to room in the rooms of our heart. He takes inventory of this and that. Well, I like this. We can keep this. This is going to be a problem. We need to tag this. We're going to have to deal with this later in my own time and in my own way. Then over time, the Holy Spirit will come to us and reveal things in our life that needs work. Might not get a whole bunch of amens on this part of the message, but it is so true. It is the key to becoming like Christ. During those times that he reveals things, he will tap us on the shoulder and he will gently tell us that he wants to change us. Listen, that he wants to change how we act, how we think, how we walk, how we talk, what we watch, what we listen to. And he'll ask us to let go sometimes of bad habits and create new ones. And when this happens, when the Holy Spirit taps you and I on the shoulder, and he will, it just happens throughout our life. When he taps us on the shoulder, when this happens, what he needs the most from you and I is this right here. Obedience through submission. Those are two words we don't like. But obedience through submission. Look, it may be something that you don't think that you can do. Maybe something that you don't want to do. And that's the key right there. That is the key. You see, the Holy Spirit will never ask you to do something yourself because He knows the only way that you will look and act like Jesus is if He does the work inside of you. It's if He does the work inside of you. And in the process, you're becoming more and more like Christ. But it's not a matter of you trying harder. It's not a matter of you working harder. It's all about the Holy Spirit who will change you from within. This is not easy because this will require us to stay in a constant state of that right there. We've got to remain in a constant state of obedience through submission. 
But even here, we take our cues from Jesus. It tells us in Matthew 20, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the world lorded over the, their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Here we go. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, I, I just believe this right now, that I believe the Holy Spirit is already talking to us in here. There's something perhaps in your life that you know that you know is not Christ-like. And you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to fix it. You've been trying to heal it. But all of your work, I've been going to church all the time. I've been trying to read and I've been trying to pray. There's got to come a point in your life to where you must submit to the Holy Spirit. You give up control. You can't do it. You wave the white flag of surrender and say, I want victory over this. God, help me. You want to be like Jesus? Jesus just gave us the model church. Jesus gave us the model of becoming a slave, becoming a servant before God. Submit, be obedient. But in all of this, remember, I've said it many times, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he will not override your free will. See, the work of the Holy Spirit is similar to those who have gone into a hospital to have surgery. What's one of the things that they require of you? They will, they will give you a bunch of waiver forms, don't they? Give you a bunch of pieces of paper and they say, we want you to sign this. We cannot do surgery on you. We cannot fix you. We cannot heal you. We cannot do what we need to do unless you give us permission. And you go through the different pieces of paper and you sign over your life practically, don't you? It's what they need. And if you indeed want to be like Christ... The Holy Spirit's going to require your permission to do it. Before He can heal you, before He can fix you. See, I told you this wasn't easy. I told you this wasn't for the faint of heart. Have you noticed how some people, though, never really seem to grow up? It seems like the older they get, they just never really... grow into maturity. This is because growth, we're talking about growth here. This is because growth, becoming like Jesus, is growing in the Lord, and that must be intentional. There are times when Jenna will want to get the home movies and just look at videos of whenever you know they were young and little, and I hate it. I hate it. Because it just kills me to see my kids growing up. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. You get the old movies out, and you're like, man, where have those kids gone? Uh, Parker's graduating here in a few uh, months, and uh, Jenna's 14, and, yeah, thinking she's 21, and, and um, it's just hard. I, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want my kids to grow up, and all of us would say that, but if you stop and think about it, just think about that for a second. Do we really want our kids to stay small forever? <laughs> I mean, just, just think about that for a second. What would life look like for me and Stephanie if Parker and Jenna, they were 20, 30, 
40 years of age and they're still living at home. We're still changing their diaper. We're still making a bottle of formula, right? We're still rocking them to sleep at night. We're still putting the binky in their mouth. That's just wrong. Uh, Sometimes, somewhere along the way, they've got to grow up, don't they? Uh, This weekend, uh, Parker um, got to... uh, uh, go home to mom and dad's, be with his cousin Matthew, and, and this was the first time that we've allowed him to drive by himself that far. Um, and all that mom, and he's going by Tappan Lake, okay, out 250. And some of you moms are already cringing over that thought, aren't you? Yeah, you're just, I mean, Stephanie is scared to death that he's just going to have a fit and just veer off into Tappan Lake, and that's all we're going to see at Parker. And, and dads were like, he'll be fine, you know, he's all right, you know. But I'm glad, and he was so excited and so anxious to do this, and he got there fine. He comes back this afternoon, so please pray that Parker doesn't drive on the lake on the way back home today. But I got to thinking, I'm so glad that he wants to do that. You know why? Because he's growing up. He's getting older. He's showing that independence. We want our kids to grow up and mature, to start living and doing their own thing. And you know what? This is what God wants from you and me. He wants us to grow up and to become more like Christ. Hmm. I won't turn there because of time, but First Peter tells us that as believers, when you first accept Christ, we're, beyond, we're, we're to be on the milk of God's word, the pure milk. But then if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul gets on them because they're still in the milk. And there are things reflected in their life that is revealing that they're still acting like kids. They're acting like children. That's because they've never taken that step to grow up, to grow in the Lord. Listen, making a commitment to grow is not easy. And it's also the point where most people remain childlike in their walk with Christ. If you don't pursue growth in your spiritual journey, you will never be like Christ and you will never ultimately be fulfilled experiencing God's purpose for your life. Some of you need to let go of some things in your life. Here's a statement for you. You can never discover new oceans unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. You can never discover new oceans unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Don't hold on to your shore. It's been said that we are either changing or dying. We are either changing or dying. There's no staying the same. There's no status quo. If you're not becoming more and more like Christ, you're slowly dying slowly dying. I end with this illustration. A number of years ago, Parker and I, and some of you have seen this, um, we we were in some mall somewhere, and they had those uh, caricature drawing artists, I don't know exactly what you call them, but you sit down, pay them money, and they draw your face, okay? And... uh, Parker and I were watching this, this person drawing, and we were fascinated by what they were doing. Um, the likeness they had, the, I think it was a little girl, and she was sitting there, and, and what we were seeing on the page was uncanny, 
uncannily like that little girl. We're like, how on earth is he doing this? Because he was drawing with both hands at the same time. I've never seen anything like that done before. I thought, how is he drawing this perfectly with both hands? And I observed him closely, and there were two things that he did. There was a bunch of noise going around the mall. There were kids screaming. There were, music was playing. There was a bunch of distractions, but he was doing two things. He was drawing over here, but he did not take his eyes off that little girl. He was drawing. And then he would quickly look at the page to make sure that what was on the page was what he was looking at. That was his focus. That was his attention. He wanted all of his attention to make sure that it was going, and he had the nose right and the eyes right and the hair's the hair perfect, and, and I thought, that's how he got her to look just like her on the page. And I thought, that's us. That's us in Christ. You want to be a mere reflection of Jesus? Put all your attention on the subject. Jim Lyon, our uh, Church of God general chairman, he said, Jesus is the subject. Jesus is the subject. Whatever it is in your life, he's the subject. Don't take your eyes off the subject. And then every once in a while, we need to take, take a step back and look at our life. And is our life reflecting that image of Jesus Christ? Don't focus on anything else. Put the distractions aside. Focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. I've given you some scripture verses this morning where becoming like Jesus uses words like transforming, conforming. Those are words that convey uh, a process that's painful. We have to be conformed. Sometimes that's not fun. Sometimes that is a little painful. But oh, to be like him. Have to ever have those moments to where you're so in tune with God and you've never felt so fulfilled in your life? That's the way he wants us to be. To be like Jesus. To be conformed and to become like Christ. Would you bow your head, please? I'm going to ask the team to come up if they're singing with me. Look, I believe that God is dealing with somebody on something. You know that there's an area of your life that's not really Christ-like. And it's causing a lot of conflict. And you want to be Christ-like. This morning, God may be calling someone to submit to Him. And then when we submit our wills, when we become humble, when we become Motable, then we have to obey. Is there someone here that just wants to come forward while we sing this song? Allow God to do a work on their life. I don't know. Father God, thank you for speaking to us. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that you died for us. You want us to become a part of the family of God. But Lord, we also know that we will be fulfilled the more that we become like Jesus, to become like Christ. God, if there's someone here this morning that's dealing with something that is not Christ-like, maybe it's an attitude. Maybe their attitude's just been really bad about something. 
They know their attitudes don't like you, Jesus. Maybe they just need to just say, I give it to you. and I, Lord, I give you all the details. I'll allow you to work out all the details. I'm just going to trust you this morning. May my attitude and my spirit be like Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone here this morning whose actions have been not, not been Christ-like. May we die to everything in ourselves. We come this morning in Holy Spirit. We sense your calling. You're tapping somebody on the shoulder this morning. And Lord, we thank you because that, that's how much you love us. Lord, I pray that we leave here more like Christ than when we came. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. Thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you-